Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Oh Jesus, stir our soul. Stir our soul. Stir our soul. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray over God's word tonight and ask his grace to just touch our spirit, touch my heart and my mind. I pray that the Holy Ghost will just anoint his word to our heart. Jesus, I love you. And I thank you so much for the privilege to be in this service tonight. God, I'm so thankful nothing stopped me from being here. God, I'm so, so thankful that I was able to walk into this place and experience what we've already felt, what we've already sensed in the name of the Lord. Oh, be with us today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You may be seated if you'd like. I wanna this evening just begin perhaps what may be a series of a few Wednesday nights on the subject of prayer. I titled this tonight, I want to talk to you about prayer, our source of strength. I don't want this to be just another message on prayer, another series on prayer, but I pray that the Spirit of God will touch us. I understand something about the topic of prayer in the sense that many times when you... uh, approach the subject of prayer, people kind of disconnect. Even good Holy Ghost-filled people kind of disconnect. It's almost like Bible reading and fasting. It kind of finds its category of its own. But I have sincerely sought the Lord today to find the balance between challenging us as a church to prayer as never before and yet not spiritually frustrate us because I know that's possible as well. I've read countless books on the subject of prayer and taught many Bible studies and, and things of that nature, but by no means would I consider myself an authority on the subject because I too am still discovering the often misunderstood subject of prayer. It's very vast. I've been challenged from my youth on the subject of prayer. While my mother would have never claimed to have been a saint, some of my fondest memories of a child, as a child, was that of my mother praying. I have many images of her praying daily at her bedside and that served to whet my spiritual appetite as a young man and I've, always held on to those images and those memories of her in prayer. My mother uh, 
I don't really, I was too young to understand, I guess, it in its fullness. But my mother joined several other ladies in the church and they would often meet, uh, not only at our home church, but for some reason, unknown to me, we would also meet at another building that was like a church, but it had a sawdust floor. And I can remember that well because I remember playing in the sawdust because I wasn't praying the whole time those ladies were praying, believe it or not. Nevertheless, growing up in that atmosphere um, did touch my heart and my life in a, in a specific way. And I know that we talk about prayer and, and we think sometimes that we understand it in its fullness, but I promise you that that I, I think we would all come miserably short. Very early on in our full-time ministry endeavor, the Lord connected my wife and I to a praying church and a man and, a my, a man and wife, husband and wife, pastor and his wife uh, that became mentors to us and touched our hearts in ways that we will carry throughout our lives. They took us to another dimension on the subject of prayer. The very first day, you may have heard me tell this story, but the very we were there on a Sunday, Sunday night, and then we were gonna begin revival uh, after that on Wednesday. But on Monday morning, this pastor picked me up. He told me Sunday night, I'll pick you up at such and such time. We went to a restaurant and had breakfast, and from there, we went straight to a Bible bookstore. He bought me two books authored by E.M. Bounds and two books authored by Leonard Ravenhill all four books on the subject of prayer. He placed them in my hand and he said, if you will read this and do this, it will forever change you. And I was so young and so hungry, I suppose, that I took him at his word and I began to um, literally just ingest the words of these authors and I want to just pause right here and tell you that at that particular time and even to this moment reading doesn't come easy for me and I know there are avid readers among us my wife can devour books and just on and on and on we prior to the technological age that we live in now we would go off for a few days vacation and she would buy up several books and it would not be uncommon that while we were away, we would have to go and buy more books. Some of you are nodding your head. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, while I truly believe that leaders must be readers, I live by that creed. It doesn't come easy for me. And so I don't want to kind of put myself in some category and you feel like the long ranger. I'm gonna tell you that if you're gonna get something from God, you're gonna have to put something in here. And so I begin to take that in and take it to heart. And so I pray that God will help us this evening to understand the, that nothing great is ever gonna happen outside of prayer. Let me just say it again. Nothing great is gonna happen beyond the realm of prayer. It's going to take praying people to ever experience something real and genuine from God. And so the subject is often misunderstood, I think because it's misunderstood, therefore often neglected, and that is to our discredit. So for a man or a woman that is filled with the Holy Ghost, prayer should be like breathing because in truth, it's the only way that we're going to be able to survive the long haul because in seasons of our lives, a song 
and I'm not minimizing a song, but a song we'll never do. In certain seasons of our lives, we're only going to have the venue of prayer. It's our only hope. It is the lifeline. We live in a very dark world, a world that is filled with immeasurable evil. And so because of that, we must have God. So just like a human can't survive without breathing, we can't survive without prayer. And when I'm talking about prayer, I hope that you don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about praying over our food or, or just tiny prayers that we may pray in the course of a day. Um, uh, bless our food or a prayer we might pray with our children before they go to bed or before they leave for school, etc. We've got to learn to create a spiritual atmosphere, one in which we can exist, and that is found only in the venue of prayer. By some standards, I would suppose this is a very difficult hour to pastor. I say that because of where we are as a nation. Because even in the midst of economic uncertainty, people in America still live with much greater wealth than the vast majority of the world. And because of that, we have become too satisfied with material blessings and therefore we have little desire for spiritual blessings because if God doesn't come through, we got it. If God doesn't come through, we can handle it. We can squeeze by somehow and the end result of that can cause us to act as though God is not really necessary. Because of this great and common danger, the apostle Paul urged the Ephesian church in Ephesians 6 and 18 to pray always, pray always. He wrote to the Colossian church and said that they should continue in prayer, continual Persistent prayer is an essential part of Christian living and it flows out of the realization of our dependence upon God. I mean, we must have God. We must have God. We're often frustrated about the subject of prayer. We're bombarded with many questions on the subject. Questions like, when do I pray? How often do I pray? How long should I pray? And the list goes on and on and on. I will simply say this. I believe that our walk with God, when it is sincere, is a living thing. It's not just something we're doing because we're trying to avoid going to hell. Amen? We're living for God. It's a sincere thing. It's a relationship. And it's not just something that we're doing on Sunday or not just something that we're doing on Wednesday, but it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday venture. I woke up. Uh, one songwriter said, I woke up with heaven on my mind. I trust that is how we make our day. We wake up not trying to decide which way the wind is blowing so we can decide how we're going to live, but it is a commitment that we have made a long time ago. Therefore, since this relationship with God is alive, things that are alive and healthy, I might add, but things that are alive grow naturally. If you give a seed the right ingredients, it will grow. I remember in Miss Ruth Wimburn's class taking a small Dixie cup, putting a little bit of soil in it and a green butter bean of sorts, pushing it down in the dirt, adding just a little bit of water and then placing it in the windowsill. It wasn't long until the seed began to grow. It didn't need us to come by there every day and and say the right things. It didn't need us to come by there every day and sing a right song. It just began to grow. 
It did what came natural to it. If given the right ingredients because it was a living seed even though it looked dry and it looked lifeless, it grew. That seed had no idea. It had no idea that it was not in the soil, the rich soil of a multiple thousand acre farm in Iowa. It had no prejudice against the Dixie cup that it was stuck into. It just did what a seed is supposed to do. It just began to grow. And so a little soil, a little water, a little sunlight, and there came life. I said all that to say this, that if I, as a shepherd, can just instill the basics into the lives of hungry people, that seed will take root and grow. And so it's not how often should I pray or how long should I pray or how should I pray, but if we can just instill the necessity of prayer, the hunger and the thirst for prayer, those things will take care of themselves. Amen. If I thought I had to convince everybody that's a member of this church to pray six hours a day, I would be crazier than I am tonight. Amen. I appreciate those quiet amens on that. I appreciate you being kind there. But I understand that if we can just get people to understand the value of what happens in our lives when we begin to call on his name. Once the seed of prayer has taken root in our lives, then it will begin to grow into a genuine, bona fide prayer life. That's certainly not to say that we don't have patterns of prayer because we do. If you consider the abbreviated life and ministry of Jesus Christ, just three and a half years, Yet he spent a great deal of that time. Certainly, if you condense that down, if you were to consider just the minimal three and a half years and then you find all the times that we see him in Scripture in prayer, the Gospels report that Jesus habitually rose early in the morning to pray. In the evening, he would frequently go to a quiet place, often alone to pray. Prayer was that spiritual air that Jesus was breathing every day into his life. He prayed for many reasons. I believe that one of the reasons Jesus prayed was an example for all of us of prayer and for his disciples. I believe that, and I believe that that was effective because of all of the things that Jesus did while he walked on this earth. There was only one thing that the disciples requested of him, and that was, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Also, he was robed in flesh, the Bible says at all points, tempted like as we. And so his flesh needed spiritual strength just like you and I this evening. So in like fashion, he urged his disciples to do the same. The early church learned that lesson and then they carried that commitment to continual and unceasing prayer. The very catalyst for the revival on the day of Pentecost is found and summarized in Acts 1 and 14. The Bible says of these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And that didn't even change after a 3,000 soul revival. They didn't say, well, we got it now. We've got the church up and running. We've got it jump started. And so now we can just kind of relax because the gospel fire has begun to spread. No, that wasn't their attitude about prayer at all. When the apostles were led to structure the church so that the ministry could be accomplished even more effectively, this is what they said, Acts 6 and 14. But we 
will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the church is up and running. A great revival has stirred that world, that part of the world, and then began to break out. And as the church began to be formed and began to spread, they said, we now will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Something that has been birthed in prayer cannot survive outside of prayer. And I'll promise you this, that when we came to the Lord, we came to him with a great spirit of surrender. We came to him, maybe we didn't know all the right words to say, and maybe our prayers didn't all flow together, but there was something so sincere about what we had to say. It touched the, 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 the mercy seat, and we were filled with his spirit. And so I can't then just decide, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to make my way without this thing called prayer. Through his life, the apostle Paul exemplified his commitment to prayer. Praying for his fellow believers was a daily practice. He often mentioned in his letters how that he prayed for them daily. This past Friday night, I was privileged to be in a service and I, I didn't realize that a man, one of the pastors in our district who uh, some months ago was diagnosed with an incurable cancer, I didn't realize that he was there and we've known each other for a long time and uh, when, when I found out about his condition, I began to be in even greater contact with him and, and uh, began to pray for him daily. I have several names, a list that I, I call those names every day that I possibly can in prayer. And so I, I saw him in the service and I didn't realize he was gonna be there. He didn't realize I was gonna be there. And, and uh, it's been a, several months since we've seen each other and so we met in the aisle and, and he just, he just, just, he's a big guy, not, not an overweight guy, but he's a big guy. And, and he just gave me a great big bear hug. And he said, oh, it's just so great to see you. And his voice began to break. And he said, I just wanna thank you for the encouragement that you've offered me over the last several months. But he said, I, I wanna show you something. And he pulled out his phone and he began to scroll through his notes. And he said, this is my daily list of prayer. These are the names that I call every day in prayer. And, and this is not a prideful man. He wasn't saying this out of pride. He was very broken. He said, I wanna show you something. He just scrolled down toward the bottom. He pointed and there I saw my name. He said, I call your name every day in prayer. And I thought how humbling that was. Here was a man that could have been just kind of camped out on his own island of, of sorrow and pity but yet he was reaching out. I have no idea that he was praying for me on a daily basis. The power and the source of strength that comes to us through prayer is just untold. And I'm so thankful for the kingdom of God, aren't you? Amen, the network of the kingdom. So Paul was praying daily for his fellow believers. What a great practice. You know, I was thinking about it a moment ago and we went through our prayer service and every service we have several names that we call there are names that kind of been a long-standing list of prayer requests, and those names go up on the screen. And, and if we're not careful, that can it can all just be names on a screen. If we're not very, very careful, it can just be names. I, I know from time to time, whoever's leading the service, have, I've heard several different people make this request. That you, you may not can memorize all of those names, but if you can just memorize a couple, 
If you could just grab a couple of names off of that screen and pull that person into your life and call on the name of the Lord and ask God to touch them. And you know, when, when you, you pick up the newspaper or you read some article and there's been some tragedy, many times tragedies can be summarized in just a few words and we don't realize the real ongoing repercussions of something that strikes in the heart of homes and families. And so we have no idea Maybe, maybe there's a few people that know that name and they know the circumstances, but by and large, many of those names are there and other people in the, in the audience, the congregation, have no idea what that single name represents. And so I say, as Paul prayed daily for his fellow believers, don't let, it, don't, don't let that be lost to us when we see a name. You don't know the situation, but you have no idea. That situation may merit a whole lot more than just a few minutes of prayer that we offer that in a corporate service. But if somebody can take those names back home and really petition God, I believe we can make a difference. Paul urged the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. He commanded the Philippians to stop being anxious. And he said, instead, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In Colossians and in Ephesians, he challenged them to combat spiritual darkness in the world around them through the venue of prayer. Unceasing prayer is essential to the vitality of our relationship to the Lord and his ability to function in the world. For a born-again believer, for someone filled with the Spirit of God, prayer must simply be a way of life. While specific times set aside for prayer, I believe have an important bearing on our communication with God. I, I really believe that. But we are taught by Paul to pray always, always. So we must find now the balance between specific times of prayer and the value that they bring to our lives and praying always and the value that that brings to our lives. Amen. Praying always obviously doesn't mean that we're walking around in some formal way of prayer every waking hour. I understand that. Nor does it mean that we devote ourselves to just reciting ritualistic prayers. Amen. We've got to find the balance to that. Pray without ceasing, I think, basically speaks about recurring prayer. Not, not, not really just nonstop chatter, but just recurring prayer, something that just comes automatically. We're challenged to be continually in the attitude of prayer. Maybe another way of putting that would be to live in a live with a a continual in a continual state of God consciousness. Maybe that would appeal to our our intellect tonight that we could just somehow live in a state of God consciousness. So if I'm if if I could put it this way in a way we would all understand, I would say this: when we're tempted. We need to hold that, bring that temptation before God and say, this is my struggle. This is what is bothering me today. I'm talking about living with a prayer or a God consciousness. When we experience something good, that we would live in such a state of God consciousness that we thank God for that. Not that we just high five our fellow men, but we thank God for that. When we see evil all around us, there ought to be something inside of us in a God consciousness 
that stirs our righteous indignation to pray and to speak against that evil. Amen. That's not too old-fashioned, is it? Amen. We ought to stir up something, ought to stir the righteous indignation of the church. When we face problems, then we need to turn to God as our source of strength and our source of hope. And in doing so, life then begins to be a continual prayer. Each and every circumstance of life begins to, becomes for us an opportunity to pray. Prayer initiates fellowship with God. The ultimate purpose of our salvation, of course, is to glorify God, to bring us into fellowship with him. And so if we fail to seek God in prayer daily, then we deny that very purpose. A few nights ago, I was <clears throat> preaching in a service and I had a friend that joined me that evening for service. And so since it was his first time being in the church, I went out of my way to make sure that everybody I spoke to, I introduced him. And uh, it was his very first time. He was an absolute total stranger. And uh, I, I'm not saying that I did anything outside of what anybody here wouldn't have done. But if you, you can just imagine how he would have felt being with me when I walked in a room and everybody speaking to me and I'm just speaking to everybody and they're calling me by name and I'm calling their by, him, them by name and he's just kind of trailing in behind uh, like the fifth wheel. He would feel the odd man out, of course. And so I wanted to make sure that, er, that he didn't feel that way. I wanted to make sure that he didn't feel uncomfortable. And so everybody that shook my hand, I shook their hand. As a matter of fact, in the church that we were visiting, there's one of the ministers in the church that is blind. And when I came to him, I, of course, my friend had no way of knowing that he was blind. And so I just took their hands and I joined them together. And I said, I want you to meet my friend. I wanted to go out of the way to make sure that he didn't feel like he was the odd man out. Well, I wonder how God feels when we go about our entire lives, our entire day, and we never bother to even mention that he's our companion, that he's with us. And we, we, we claim we took him to work with us, and yet we never talk about it, or we ignore the fact that he's in the room. I don't want God to be offended. I don't want the spirit of God to be offended. I don't want prayer to be too far from my mind. I don't want it to be too far from our lips. Amen. If we fail to pray and acknowledge him, then we deny the very presence of the Lord in our lives. Our fellowship with God is not, not meant to wait until we get to heaven. I'm thankful that we can fellowship with the Lord now. I believe there's no greater expression, nor is there a greater experience than that of prayer. In his book, The Purpose in Prayer, or Purpose in Prayer, Ian Bounds, an author I mentioned a moment ago, he provides us with this reminder of how we must cultivate our fellowship with God. He said this, prayer was not a meaningless function or a duty to be crowded into a busy or weary ends of the day. We're not obeying the Lord's command when we contend ourselves with a few minutes on our knees in the morning or late at night when we are tired from the task of the day. God is always within call. His ear is ever attentive to the cry of his children. But we can never get to know him if we use the vehicle of prayer as we use the telephone. For just a few words of hurried conversation, intimacy requires development. We can never know God by brief and fragmented repetitions that are requests for more personal favors and really nothing more. That is not the way in which we can come into communication with heaven's king. The goal of prayer, listen, the goal of prayer 
is the ear of God. A goal that can only be reached by patient and continued and continuous waiting upon him. We must pour out our heart to him and permit him to speak to us. And so if prayer is going to be a dialogue, that means at some point I've got to stop talking because you can't talk and listen at the same time. And so at some point I've got to exhaust myself of all of my adorations and all of my requests, all of my petitions, and I need the Spirit of God to speak to me. I need the unction of his power and presence to minister to me. Sometimes we slide into the altar, we make known all our requests, we give God all the accolades we think he deserves at that particular moment, and then we're off about our way, making making our way down the path we call today. Ephesians 6 and 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. If you'll hold that scripture there for just a moment, the Greek word translated prayer is most commonly used in the context of worship. So he said praying always with all prayer. And so there's that context of worship and praise in which we come into the presence of the Lord. And I think we ought always not just slide into prayer and ask God for what we need. But I think we always ought to begin with prayer, our prayer with praise and worship and adoration and things of that nature. But I'm glad that God didn't just relegate us to that because he said praying always with all prayer and supplication. The word translated supplication refers to specific prayers or needs. And so I'm glad that I'm not just relegated to come into the presence of God and tell him how great and wonderful he is and then leave with a long list of things that I have undone in my life and that I need God's help. But he said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So I am free to come into the presence of the Lord, magnify and worship him. And then I can turn without shame, regret or remorse and tell God, this is what I need from you today. I don't have to hold my head down. I don't have to approach him shamefacedly, but I can with grace, with boldness rather, come into the presence of God and let my needs be known. Paul used both words and that suggests to us the necessity of the involvement of all kinds of prayers. Every form of prayer certainly is appropriate. Sometimes people are confused about how to pray. And I know that, that sometimes our background can influence that. But people are, are very sincere and I'm not trying to draw a smirk. But sometimes people are very sincere about prayer. Do I stand? Do I kneel? Can I sit? What about prayer? How do we pray? Is there something that's appropriate, something that's inappropriate? The scripture says to pray always, as the scripture states, and I, I, think, that, <clears throat> I think that means that if I have a mandate to pray always, God has said to pray always, if I live in a state of, uh, of ready prayer, then God must not be real concerned about the posture of prayer because I'm not always in church. I'm not always at an altar and I'm not always sitting down, always standing up, always laying down. I'm not always kneeling. But in the Bible, and I don't, didn't intend to bring an exhaustive list at all, but in the Bible we can find examples of people standing in prayer, lifting up their hands in prayer, 
kneeling in prayer, sitting in prayer, looking upward in prayer, bowing their head down in prayer. As a matter of fact, Elijah, when he went to Mount Carmel and prayed, the scripture says that he placed his head between his knees and prayed. The publican in Luke 18 and 13 wouldn't even look heavenward, but had his head cast down and he pounded his hand on his chest. He smote his chest, the scripture says, in prayer. And and I'm not trying to be ridiculous in that, but I'm just using examples of where we find people in prayer in scripture. The Bible says that Daniel prayed three times a day facing the temple in prayer, amen. So the Bible records people praying in all sorts of ways and all sorts of places. And so I think we need to get over the fact that we gotta have our hands clasped in front of us and we gotta be knelt down and the lights have gotta be dim, music's gotta be playing in the background. All of those things help us from time to time create an atmosphere of prayer. We certainly try to do that. Uh, For pre-service prayer, indeed, that doesn't stop all the chatter for sure. Those people can talk right over the dim lights and right over people praying. Beats all I've ever seen. Amen. But I'm gonna move right along on that. (laughs) One of these days we'll have a prayer room. One of these days we'll have a prayer room. And that'll be a wonderful thing. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 and 8, people smile at me now, smile. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And so here it is, the faithful anywhere can become a place of prayer. Anywhere can become a place of prayer. For the faithful, our jobs can be a place of prayer. For the faithful, a restaurant can be a place of prayer. Prayer is fitting at any time, any posture, any place, under any circumstances and with any attire. I've been called on to pray for people when I wasn't wearing a suit and tie. I didn't have a Bible within arm's reach. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes life just calls on us and was out in the yard working and just doing all sorts of things. Had my old straw hat on. Somebody slid up in the front yard and needed prayer. They didn't have time for me to shower and go iron a shirt and, and on and on and on and on. So we just had to pray. We had to pray and ask God to touch them. And so the moment called for prayer and so prayer is what we had to give. Prayer is to be a total way of life an open and a continued communication with God. Here's what I think I understand about prayer. You don't break out your pad and pencils. This won't take much. When I tell you what I think I understand about prayer. I think as long as I feel that measured insufficiency in myself, in myself, I will pray without ceasing. As long as I feel that measured insufficiency of myself, I will always pray. Many, many years ago, I had been called on to preach a service and I felt like that was way beyond my ability. I called a dear friend of mine, I was so nervous I was so nervous I was getting physically ill. And I called a a friend of mine, an elder pastor friend, and I began to convey my feelings to him. And then I made the mistake of asking him to help me pray to get over that. And oh, my Lord, did I get one. He said, don't you ever pray to get over that feeling. Don't ever ask God to take that from you. 
Because as long as you feel what you feel right now, you'll always walk in the mind of God. Well, that wasn't what I thought I was going to hear. I thought he was just going to rebuke my nerves. I thought he was going to rebuke the sickness that was coming against me in Jesus' name. And so I'm going to say it again. Here's what I think I understand about prayer. As long as I can sense that measured inability, the insufficiency of myself, I will pray without ceasing. I have made it a practice to never walk to this pulpit nor other, any other pulpit anywhere else without asking God to go there with me. That has been long been a very passionate prayer that I pray. And so the day that I feel like I can pray or teach or preach without the leading or his anointing, that is the day that I am in trouble. Now I'm gonna be very honest here and probably more honest than is called upon at this particular time. But there have been days that weren't perfect for me. There have been days that everything went wrong and it just so happened that that fell on a Sunday or a Wednesday. And it just so happened that I didn't have time to get my best stained glass voice on (laughs) and ask God, like I think Moses asked God, to go with me. There have been times, there have been occasions, and this is an unsolicited confession, but there have been times from here to there, I said, please come with me, Jesus. Now, I'm not boasting in that. That's nothing to boast of. But I'm I'm gonna make a parallel here I hope will make sense. When Elijah, I mentioned him a moment ago, but when Elijah went to Mount Carmel and withstood 450 prophets of Baal. If you read the prayer of Elijah, if you read the prayer that Elijah prayed on Mount Carmel and fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, 12 barrels of water, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The prayer itself, in and of itself, was very, very succinct. It was not long, was not deep, was not flowing. But I think the reason Elijah's prayer was effective is that's not the first time Elijah had prayed. Because Elijah was living in the overflow, I think he lived with the credit (laughs) that he could say, I'm in a jam, God, and I need you now. And so it wasn't flagrance and it wasn't arrogance that caused Elijah just to pray a simple prayer, but it was what God, Elijah had built up with God in that. And so I wanna say that. I I don't think that I could just live my life praying from there to here, oh God, be with me. No, 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 not at all. We've got to be very passionate about those prayers. And I wanna, by the same token, I, I wanna bring this thought into balance. God doesn't at the same time want me to walk around feeling like I'm some kind of spiritual weakling or spiritually anemic. Is that all right? as though I'm on some short leash with no mind of my own. And so I've got to balance my dependence upon God with the knowledge that I am a beneficiary of heaven's of heaven's treasure. Is that all right? Amen. I've got to find that balance. I don't want to come up here egotistical and arrogant like God owes me anything. But at the same time, God doesn't want me or you to sheepishly approach our 
uh, our calling or whatever our ministry may be, that we can walk there with confidence that I know I need God, but I also understand that I am his beneficiary and he's promised that he would be there with me. Amen. So while we do offer specific petitions for our needs and for the needs of others. At the same time, we can rejoice and give thanks to the abundant blessings of God that he pours on us day by day by day. We are, ladies and gentlemen, children of the king. And when we realize that he is our source of strength, then our lives can and will be changed. I'll ask our musicians to come. And in closing, I say, Colossians 4 and 2, the Bible says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. I want you to notice that word, watch. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. The King James Version uses the word, of course, watch. That's what's before us. But other translations use words like vigilant, alert, The Message Bible says, with your eyes wide open. So in the most basic sense, here's what Paul's command was, was to keep alert or stay awake. Don't fall asleep. So continue in prayer and watch in the same with all thanksgiving and whatever you do, don't fall asleep. What about that? And Paul was saying, with your eyes wide open, be diligent. In in Gethsemane, shortly before his betrayal, Jesus asked Peter, James, and John for one thing. Just keep watch with me. Just, Just stay awake. Stay awake. And he returned to find them sleeping. It's impossible to pray if you're sleeping. You've got to be awake and alert and talk to God. However, Paul's instruction both in Colossians 4 and 2 and Ephesians 6, 18 encompasses more than just mere physical alertness. We need to look for those things that we ought to be praying about. And I'm coming in for a landing. I, I say that specifically because sometimes we pray way too vaguely general prayers oh god move oh god touch oh god heal and in those vague foggy prayers never leaves us a lot of room to exercise our faith but when you start praying specifically when you start calling names amen General requests, I, I think, certainly are appropriate in certain circumstances, but, but when we start getting very specific about what we need God to do in our lives, of course, we balance that with his will, but we need to be alert to specific needs of others and pray about them earnestly. And when you do and you watch God answers, you can rejoice in the fact that, that you were praying specifically about something And I want to be devoted to that. I want to be devoted to that. David said this. Let's stand. And David said this. David said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man that thou art mindful of him? In a moment of 
huge transparent honesty. I think David saw his frailty, the weakness of flesh, the shortcomings of humanity. And he said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? God really owes us nothing. He really owes us nothing. He could have just given us his word without any spirit, without any emotion, without, without any visitation, and it would have all been true. But every now and then, God just proves the continuity between heaven and earth and between common man and the majesty of the King of Kings. And he shows us in a moment of time and various means that our prayers are not just bouncing around the ceiling. I think one instance that comes to my mind is more than 10 years ago now, I suppose. I just felt like I was all alone like many of you have felt. And I thought that perhaps no one really understood how I felt. My wife was gone, the house was empty. And in our den at that particular time, she had a little pink chair and I just knelt down in front of that little pink chair. And I just cried out to God, I need you, I need you, I need you. While I was praying, the phone rang. I picked up the phone and on the other end, 700 odd miles away, a pastor friend that we prayed for for some time now who recently passed away, Brother Wayne Smith, on the other end, I'm not sure Brother Smith had ever called me before, and I know he never called me again. But he said, I just want you to know, Brother Boyd, I was in my office praying, and God laid on my heart to call you. I don't know what you're going through, but I just want you to know that God understands. God, Brother Pope, did not owe me that. He did, he, God is sovereign. He didn't owe me that. But I think every now and then, God just says, watch this. Watch this. You think you're speaking into the fabric of a chair. You think your prayers are just bouncing around in this den and you feel like the only man in this world. But watch this. And I'm gonna show you the continuity between earth and heaven. I'm gonna show you the continuity between common man and the king of kings. It is our source of strength. It is our source of strength. Just one more story. Uh, this didn't happen to me, but it happened to a very, very good friend of mine. He was in his office, and uh, while he was in his office, someone knocked at his door. He was on the phone with another pastor friend's wife. He had actually called for her husband. He wasn't home. She was speaking just a few minutes while they were on the phone, just moments, just moments. 
a knock at his door. He put his hand over the phone and said, come in. And a stranger opened the door and stuck his head in the door and said, tell Sister Upton, who he was on the phone with, everything's going to be all right. And he pulled the door shut. <laughs> Brother Young is kind of somewhat stunned. And he said, Sister Upton, I have no idea what this means. But a man just stuck his head in the door and said, tell Sister Upton everything is going to be all right. He said, well, that's kind of goofy and spooky. And see, that's what scares us away. But hear me today. God doesn't owe us that. But every now and then he just says, let me just show you the continuity between here and here. It's not in vain. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I love you today. God, you've been so kind to me. <laughs> oh, you've been so kind to me more than I've ever deserved. There's not been a day, there's not been days, there's not been years nor decades swept into a pile that would make me ever deserving of the grace that you've extended to me minute by minute. I thank you, God, for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the value, God, of speaking your word. In the name of Jesus, can you just talk to the Lord just a moment? Let's don't rush through this. Let's don't rush through this. This may be the most critical moment in this service. Let's not rush past what God may want to give birth to. Maybe, maybe tonight a seed is being pushed deep into the soil of a heart. Maybe just a little bit of hope. How do I pray? What do I say? Do I stand? Do I sit? Do I kneel? How do I do this? I think God just wants to hear from us as a child to his father. As a matter of fact, he even called us friend. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.